0: This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners.
1: I have been saying for the last few years, a Bible, a small group, and serving someone else is all 90 of your problems.
0: That's internationally best-selling author and speaker Patrick Morley on this episode. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. Along with Armin Asadi. And we are here to bring you another, yet another episode to put your faith to work and to bring your bold ideas to life. Armin and I had the opportunity to visit today with business leader, speaker, and best selling author of 21 books. You know, that's three times seven. I just figured that out. <laughs> seven's the perfect number, three's divine. Oh, okay. I, I was think like, he should quit. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Morley has written 21 books, including his Man in the Mirror book, which sold over 4 million copies. He's the founder of an organization by that name, Man in the Mirror, a global ministry to equip men and leaders of men. And he's the co-founder of NCMM, a coalition of men's disciple-making ministries. And his latest book, The Christian Man, a conversation about the 10 issues men say matter most, just went on sale. Well, we want to welcome the first time to the Bold Idea podcast, Patrick Morley. Pat, welcome to our show.
1: Thank you very much, Larry. And Armin, it's good to be with you, Ben.
0: It's good to have you. And I want to say back because you were on our Reinventure Me podcast some time ago. In fact, I want to tell you that you said something on that show. I know you've written about it, but you said something on that show that is absolutely one of my favorite Pat Morley quotes ever and i gotta hear this <laughs> I, well this is i mean i in fact pat if, you it know, was,
1: if it was a really good quote i'd be able to tell you what it is without you even <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know pat <laughs> i will tell you i'm doing a transitional role at a church and i actually quoted you the other day because you said in that episode episode 37 you said there is a god we want and there is a god who is and they are not the same god <laughs>
2: That is good. <laughs> Isn't that good?
0: Oh man! Well, you can take
2: that one all the way to the bank.
0: But we we sh- he shared that on that episode, Arvin, way back when. But I haven't been so. Idea. That's, that way. that's all to just tease our audience. That you know, get your pens and papers out because. Uh, We got Pat on the program today, and he's going to give us the good stuff. Pat, welcome to our show. We're so glad you're here. Well, thank you. Thank you. You want the
1: second half of that quote? I have the
0: second half of that quote. And the turning point in our lives is when we stop seeking the God we want and start seeking the God who is, right? That's it. Nailed it. it. Nailed it. That's big, baby. That's big. That quote will hunt. (laughs) So... (laughs) Well, I tell you
1: what, it, it does resonate. You know, I tell that to all the new men who visit the Bible study that we teach here in Orlando on Friday mornings, and every single time, you know, of course, I, I kind of set it up. I say that it's the most important lesson that I think I've ever personally learned, mm. and so that kind of predisposes people to have a, a, a reaction, but it really, you do see the lights come on with guys, especially guys who have, uh, we see so many men at the Bible study who who did make a profession of faith at a younger age, but now they've spent the last 5, 10, 15, or more years living by their own ideas. Their lives didn't turn out like they thought they would, and so they have realized, or maybe they're beginning to realize, that they need to either get to or back to more of a biblical Christianity, so they've come to a Bible study, and then they hear that idea, and it just kind of helps them understand what we're trying to do there.
0: Yeah. Now, so for our listeners who may not know what you're referring to, talk about the Bible study that you launched there, the Man in the Mirror study in Orlando.
1: Well, first of all, it's a a traditional Bible study, but uh, we started it 33 years ago. We started in a bar, a friend of mine owned. Let's go there for free. Then we moved into the Civic Center. Today, we've got about 10,000 men in the Bible study, 100 or so who meet at the uh, Civic Center in uh, Maitland, Florida, and the rest of them online. And we uh, just to basically stayed true to God's Word and tried to put it there in a way that is applicable to men's lives today. You know, in other words, news you can use. My two big questions are always, so what and now what? You know, yep. okay, Jesus said this, so what? Jesus said this, now what? You
0: know? And I, I, I recognize that because that's uh, kind of a Pat Morley mantra, right? Yes, and it is. I just remind you that 33 years is how long it took Jesus to fulfill his ministry. I'm guessing you're getting close to fulfilling yours, right?
1: No, not really. (laughs) I'd say I'm probably the, uh, I don't feel like I've played my best music yet. How does that sound?
0: Uh, I know that to be true about you, and I always enjoy our times together when we have them. But Pat, you are about to launch, or actually by the time this podcast goes out, you will have launched your 21st book, high fives to you, sir. And uh, so fun to begin to read that. I haven't gotten all the way through it, but I did get a sneak peek at it and you say some pretty good stuff in there. So I want to talk about that today. But I want to, first of all, ask you, you say that these are turbulent times to be a man. And why is that?
1: Yeah, well, it's true. And uh, most of the Christian men that I talk to me that they they just find it increasingly difficult to juggle all the responsibilities they have as men, husbands, workers, fathers, friends, churchmen. In fact, you probably have met this man, Nick Turco, uh, Jamie Turco's husband said to me one day, he said, you know, it feels almost impossible to live out a biblical model of manhood. This is a, a guy who's 34 years of age. Mm-hmm. There are reasons for that, I think, you know, that are biblical. You I like to ground my theories. You know, we live, at, we live in a, an era in which opinions are given the same credence as facts. Yes. And uh, I, that's why I like to get back to the Bible. Colossians 2.8 tells us, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. And so I think what's going on is not that different than what has gone on in every generation. It does seem to be at some kind of an accelerated level. Maybe it has something to do with the uh, digital speed with which we operate these days. But I do do think a lot of guys just feel like they have been hacked, spiritually hacked.
0: Do you think that that's uh, a lot different than it was, say, 33 years ago when you first started the Bible study?
1: No, I don't. Uh, you know, good news is never as good as you think it is. Bad news is never as bad as you think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a, uh, almost an, alarm- an alarmist way of talking about
0: things today. Like, <gasps>
1: you know, everything's the sky. Yeah, i have got to
0: have a headline, right?
1: Yeah, and, right, exactly. And I don't really feel like the problems of men are any different than they've ever been. Uh, you read about uh, lust in the Bible, and it sounds like lust today. You read about identity issues in the Bible. Yeah. Sounds like identity identity issues today. So are there differences? Well of course there are differences. But I think Everybody's looking for the new thing. Everybody's trying to put a new label on it. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And a lot of these new words that come out to describe situations are really just rehashes of words that are in the Bible.
0: Yeah, because your groundbreaking book, Man in the Mirror, addresses many of those issues, at least at the time that that came out too, right? Do you see them still prevalent today in the same way? That, That book which,
1: of course, I did update that book at the 25-year mark, but that book came out in in 89. I didn't have to update much, just uh, put in the internet, (laughs) for example. Uh And uh, Michael (laughs) Michael Jordan wasn't the best basketball player anymore other than that. Uh, pretty much the book is the same as it always was. Uh And so that book is still thousands, tens of thousands of men every year that get that book and read it. And I get letters every week from men who are reading that book for the first time. And it's interesting. It has a, a, a very long shelf life, 30 years now. Yeah, Because the, these are universal issues, yeah not, they are not specific to a particular generation. you know everybody's trying to pick out a generation now that they can hate. Uh, you know I, I saw an article over I, in the last two days I've seen articles about why the boomers are responsible for everything. I saw another article about the millennials, how they're responsible for everything. And I expect tomorrow that I'll see why the Gen X is responsible for everything. It's for sure the up. Gen X.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, says the millennial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's pick on the one that's not in the room. <laughs> so you, you sat down with some guys and you outlined what uh, were the top 10 issues that they felt were keeping them from becoming the Christian man that um, they felt they needed to become or felt like God might be calling them to become. Talk about those issues. What did you discover? Yeah,
1: so this is really pretty, this is pretty cool. Uh, so what I wanted to do is I, I wanted to pull together all the, the best ideas that that I've put together you know, over several decades of working with men, but it was, it's too much. And then also in any given time period, guys are going to be more focused on certain issues so what, what I s- decided to do is instead of writing the book that I thought men need, I decided to write the book that men want. Hmm. And so I pulled together 24 guys from 24 years of age to 47 years of age. Average age was 33. Six of the men were 34 years of age. And uh, I asked them, you know, what are the issues and topics that w- that would make you feel compelled to pick up and read a book for men? Mm-hmm. And then we did a storyboard. We took a Saturday morning to do this It was very exciting. So I had them write out on Post-its all of the issues. I just read them out as fast as you can, one issue per yellow Post-it. And then I was furiously putting them up on the wall of our training room, conference room, and then grouping them together. For example, being a good dad and fathering. Of course, that's just two ways of saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. So let's just say by the time they were done brainstorming, we had maybe 35 different issues. Then I gave each of the guys five little round sticky dots, about, you know, a half inch in diameter. And I said, okay, now I want each of you to go up to these 35 areas and put a sticky dot on your top five issues. And one guy protested, I can't do that. I have way more than five issues. And I said, yeah, I know, but you only get five votes, so you have to pick your top five. Mm -hmm. And so we had 24 men picking their top five issues. And then as for, for some of the listeners who have not done storyboarding, what storyboarding is, is a, it's a way of democratizing brainstorming. So, in normal brainstorming, the, the most persuasive, maybe charismatic, maybe the captain of the debate team, he he might have a good idea. And because of his charisma, he's able to carry that idea. And that's the, the idea that gets voted on. And, and it was a good idea. But meanwhile, a more quiet, reserved person who doesn't feel comfortable speaking up in public, had a better idea, but didn't say it. So it never got acted on. And even if he had, it might not have made it because of the personal charisma of the other guy or gal. So what storyboarding does is it democratizes that process. Everybody gets equal votes. The, the nerd is afraid of his own shadow, gets just as much of a voice as the captain of the debate team. So that's the background. So now they have these five votes and they pick these, their, their issues. And then we stand back, and it was just there were ten issues. There was just ten was the break point. There were ten issues that just stood out, hands you know, hands above all the others, as the top issues that these twenty four young Christian men were interested in. And so, you wanna know what they are? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lay it on. So, identity, life balance, spiritual growth, marriage, fathering, friendships, work, lust, culture, and sharing their faith. Boom. There's the book. So, and since they're all Christian guys, I ended up picking the title The Christian Man for the book. The Christian Man. Would you believe there is no book in print called The Christian Man?
0: <laughs> no, I don't, but that's funny. Oops, <laughs> whoops.
1: Whoops. And, uh, and then to liven it up a little bit, we subtitled it A Conversation About the 10 Issues Men Say Matter Mm hmm.
0: When you looked at that 10, were those the ones you would expect it to see? Pretty much.
1: But, you know, you never know what you never know. So to me, the, the big issues in life are biblical issues, loving God, loving people, vocation, ministry, money. You know, these would be the my top five. Friendships, I was a little surprised that it made the top 10 because guys in older generations, even though friendships are very important to them, a lot of times they don't aren't able to articulate that. So the the most pleasant, not surprises, but the most pleasant two answers to me were uh, life balance and spiritual well, life balance I knew was going to be it had to be on there, right with all of the juggling that the guys feel like they have to do these days, but spiritual growth that was very pleasant to see that spiritual growth was the number one issue that these young guys had. The number one concern that they had was how do I grow my faith? Isn't that beautiful?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, I looked through the list as well, the 10, and um, there was one that stood out to me as being the one that was most unexpected to see on the list. For me, at least, I didn't expect to see it on there, was sharing faith. Not that I didn't think that it was an issue, but I think for a lot of people, it's not something that they normally think about to even put on the list.
1: Well, it, it was clearly one of the top 10. There's some unbelievable things that are going on. I mean, when I say unbelievable, I mean truly amazing things. One young guy here in town who is about 40 years old just trained a group of young guys and they went out to the University of Central Florida. And uh, these numbers are not exactly right. But let's just say they shared their faith with 800 people, 800 students on the UCF campus. Old fashioned just sharing their faith. Mm -hmm. 500 of them prayed to receive Christ. Wow. So there's a there's a deep hunger out there right now for true meaning, true purpose, a true sense of identity uh, in a way that the gospel of Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy.
0: Yeah, so when you think about these 10 issues and as you spent the time to write about each of them, mm-hmm. did you come away with any themes about what are some of the biggest obstacles that we have as men in embracing and and, and dealing with these issues?
1: Well, I, I do know f- from the work that i do with men that the younger guys they're in the building phase of their lives so they're in the process of getting married starting a family building a career trying to get some routines down especially if they have young children it's very difficult for them to put themselves in a position to to grow spiritually which is kind of ironic it's almost like there's somebody out there trying to defeat them like an enemy you know <laughs> from from growing in their faith so uh, you know the world, the flesh, and the devil are are just still. This is something I've been thinking about here more recently. We all have four voices in our heads, and the success of our daily lives really depends on who we're listening to. So we have the world, the flesh, the devil, and the Holy Spirit. And so when we have, or when I have, a negative thought towards someone, then the question I should be asking: okay. First of all, what information is this giving me about myself as well as about them? And who is speaking to me? Is it my flesh? Is it is it envy? Is it uh, selfishness? That would be the flesh. Or is it the world? Is it consumerism? They don't have as nice a car as I have or some stupid thing like that, materialism. So that would be the voice of the world. Or the devil, you know, especially active in marriages, you know, and Trying to divide couples, or or the voice of the Holy Spirit. So I think a lot of guys uh, are really trying to make a make a name for themselves in the world, and so they're listening to the voices of you know consumerism and materialism, mm-hmm. and getting themselves a little bit off track.
0: Which of those, when you kind of spent the time talking about those or writing through those 10 issues, when you look back on your own life, was there one that stood out to you as one that was, you know, pernicious for you that you, you really needed to work on?
1: I don't know if if it's a good thing or it's a bad thing, but, you know, I've, I've, I've led a pretty disciplined life. I, so sometimes a guy will say to me, well, wow, you, you really have you know, your spiritual life together you all these things. You, know, you read your Bible regularly, whatever you do, you're involved in ministry and serving others and all that in small groups. But I, I really get no credit for any of that because I'm just naturally disciplined. I just, I do that by as a matter of nature. The man that I admire the most is the one who isn't naturally self-disciplined, who, who doesn't want to pick up the Bible the first thing in the morning when he gets up, but he does it anyway. And then of course has a great experience with God. So I can't really say that any of these issues you know, really caught me off guard. I've had problems in every single area. For example, just take marriage, for example. I, uh, and I think I tell this story in the book, or at least a version of this story in the book. But one day, I'd been married for 27 years. One day, I was sitting there reading a book, and my wife said out of nowhere, she says, you know, I just don't feel safe with you anymore. Mm. And I said, wow. I said, I'm so sorry. What's that about? And I had been uh, getting older and things had been changing. And she had been getting older and things had been changing. But I noticed the things that were changing in her, but not in me. <laughs> and I had been putting pressure on her, you know, to exercise, to get herself in shape, you know, to, to <laughs> lose, 10, lose 10 pounds and uh-huh. so forth. And so I thought I was doing her a favor, of course. <laughs> But she saw it as having conditions on um, my acceptance of her, basing my love for her on performance, all the things you can think of. And so she said, "Yeah, I just don't feel safe with you anymore." Well, I'm I'm a guy and I'm I'm a fixer. So I said, "Well, I'll take care of that." And so I did. So I mean, I figured it would take a couple of couple of weeks, you know, and we'd get that all sorted out and be back on track again. Larry. I mean, would you believe it was three years, (laughs) three years went by and uh, until finally one day she said, you know, I I just wanted you to know I feel safe with you again. Mm -hmm. And so we get ourselves into these ditches as, as men, you know, in human relationships. Sometimes you can't just wave a magic wand and make the problem go away. You have to actually...
0: Well that's you know, that's just it. I mean, I think you're striking on a chord here that a lot of guys face is that they are used to being in problem solving mode and when it comes to relationships we like to have that kind of put behind us. We did what we were asked to do or we did something that we think was helpful and that should make it all go away and everything should be good and what's the problem if it isn't? <laughs> Let's move on. You know. So that's a hard it's a harder thing to have and to 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 work out that long term uh, piece of it. This is the Bold Idea Podcast.
2: Hey, all This is Armin and Larry here. I just want to thank you for being a part of our podcast journey here at the Bold Idea Podcast. And uh, we would love to remain a ad-free podcast. So if this is a podcast that you're enjoying and would love to keep it ad-free, please go to BoldIdeaPodcast.com forward slash donate and help us keep it ad-free.
0: And this was not an ad. you have uh, been working on this and this is your your 21st book that you've written with with, I know more to come, Pat. But when you look back at the the challenges that guys face, what is it, that you know we need to be thinking about in this culture that keeps us really from embracing being everything that God's designed us to be.
1: I have a saying that I've come up with and and you know it's it's a little embarrassing after working with men now for several decades that everything that I think is really important I can boil down to about 35 pages of, of text which is really bizarre. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> but you know you see these kind of like seminal patterns develop. And so I have been saying for the last few years, two or three years, a Bible, a small group, and serving someone else will solve 90% of your problems. Now, these are three different kinds of spiritual disciplines, right? What I have seen is that, and there are lots of other things that are important, but what I've seen is that if guys will get that, those three things sorted out, everything else pretty much falls into place. So... When I meet a, a guy who is struggling, let's just t- say when I go and speak somewhere, for example, when I'm done, you know, there'll be a number of men who will want to, you know, come up and say hi or thanks, appreciate that or whatever. Just you know, being gracious. And there's always one guy, though, it seems. I mean, this is axiomatic. There's always one guy who sort of hangs back. And I, I, I know that the reason he's hanging back from experience is that he wants to talk to me. He wants to tell me a story. He has uh, some problems and he's hoping that I might be able to offer something that would be valuable. So uh, let's just take Tom in Nashville as an example. So Tom was hanging back. Finally, everybody was gone. He, was like, he and I were the last ones in the room, introduced ourselves. I said, well, what's going on? And so he described an agonizing business problem that was just overwhelming. Even just hearing about it, it was just an overwhelming business problem that he was having and it had been going on for a couple of years. It had begun to fray the fabric of his marriage. His marriage was very much in trouble as well as his business. And I listened to him for about 15 minutes. He just Talked nonstop, and when he was done, I, I I asked him this question. I said, "Do you have a best friend, or are you part of a small group?" Well, his chin fell down to his chest, and he let out an audible uh, sound, and he said, "Well, no. To tell you the truth, I I used to be in a small group with some guys, but once these problems got started, I just sort of were dropped out." I said, "That's okay. Let me ask you a second question. Tell me about your Bible reading habits." And again, he let out a, an audible sigh his chin fell to his chest. And he said, well, to be honest with you, I really haven't been reading the Bible lately at all. And I said, that's okay, I understand. He said, but let me just tell you that in my own experience, these are the two things that will most help you get through a time of trouble. Now, what happens when women have problems, like Tom had, when women have problems, they tend to move toward relationships. But when men have problems... And these are generalizations, but we mm-hmm. use generalizations because they're generally generally true. I mean, you can't even talk without using generalizations. Right. So when men have problems, they generally move toward isolation. And anyone who's ever watched the National Geographic Channel knows that the lion never goes after the herd. The lion always goes after which one? The one that's become isolated or uh, the stray. Right. And First Peter five eight says, "Stay alert." Uh, the your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Not some group to devour, but some one to devour. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and so Tom had become isolated, as many men did, from the Bible, from the Word, from his Lord, and then also from uh, like-minded men. So the first commandment love God. The second is love other people. And so you get isolated from the Word, you get isolated from people, and it's pretty hard to love God and to love people on your own. And then serving someone else is also the third thing. Not long after we were married, I was sitting around having a, a pity party. I guess I must have a depressive streak. I get to have a pity party about every three <laughs> months. And so I, I guess that's the Chris. I'm a contemplative and so contemplatives, you know, tend to try to think a little bit more deeply about things. Yeah, and, of
0: course, so you feel things deeper. and yeah, But yeah, you're disciplined yeah. in your depression, right?
1: <laughs> whatever, <laughs> if, there's, if there's such a thing. <laughs> so anyway, I was sitting around having this pity party not long after we were married. And my wife says, she said, you know what your problem is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Fine. Don't you just love it when your wife says, yeah. you know what your problem is? <laughs> but before I had a chance to say anything, she continued on. She said, you're having a pity party. You just need to stop thinking about yourself and go help someone. Nice. And it just Boom, just instantly made sense. And so I did. I, that afternoon, I went down to a local urban ministry and, uh, here in town, and, and I said, is there anything I can do to help around here? And they gave me something, and I, I did it. And, and instantly, the cloud of uh, that depressive cloud, that pity party, lifted. Hmm. So I have good reasons to say a Bible, a small group, and serving someone else will solve 90% of your problems because I've seen it happen over and over again. And I've seen the opposite destroy men. Well, I say destroy. Well, yeah, destroy men, but also lead
0: to anemia, spiritual anemia. Yeah, I think you're right. When And that is one of the biggest temptations we have is to withdraw into isolation. A lot of it, because we feel like we need to be the ones with the answers and we can't come out until we have them. And that, that does bring us to a point of death and, and discouragement and decay. And I know that those are, I can certainly identify that in my own life when I felt that way, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are you hoping to accomplish with this new book? This is uh, coming out here just right now. What, what, what's the big takeaway that you want the readers to come away with?
1: Well, I've said for years, and I say that in this book, no man fails on purpose. Uh, when our feet hit the floor in the morning, we're looking for a win. But likewise, no, no man succeeds by accident either. He needs a plan, and so I wanted to put together a plan for a man to be able to have a, a successful Christian life. That's my motivation, but, but that's not it. That's not, a, that, that's not all. You know, a man also needs someone to guide him along, someone to mentor and disciple him on how to integrate his faith and, and his life with some intentionality. So I'm hoping that some of the more experienced Christian men who hear this interview will be inspired to take a man under their wing and show them the ropes, and uh, they can use this book to do it. Or, here's the big reveal, you're the first person to hear about this. All right, bring it. I have just finished, earlier I said in the interview, I said that I'm a little embarrassed that after all these years, everything that I think is important, I can reduce down to about 35 pages. Mm -hmm. Well, I did that. I wrote a piece called The Christian Man Coaching Guide, Hmm. and we're going to be offering this for free, and you don't need the book in order to use the coaching guide. So guys who are listening to this interview or leaders or pastors listening to this interview can go to thechristianmanbook.com, and they can download a, a free copy, free digital copy of this Christian Man Coaching Guide, and... To either ask a man, a more experienced Christian man, to coach them, or if they are a more experienced Christian man, to ask someone who they think might benefit if they would like to have a mentor, like to have a coach, or for use in a small group. And it distills all the big ideas in the, the book down into this, this coaching guide.
0: Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that's great. That's great. And it's making that available um, to our listeners and to anybody that wants to get it. It's the christianmanbook.com That's it. All right. Well, we'll have a link to that on our show notes too. And certainly would invite all of our listeners to pick up a copy of your latest book, Pat. I know they'll benefit from it. I've certainly been enjoying reading it as I've been going through it. And I've got uh, one more reveal. Yeah, please bring it.
1: So if you have, if you're listening to this broadcast, <clears throat> this podcast, and you are a men's leader or a pastor, Zondervan, our publisher, and I would like to give you a complimentary copy of this book. Actually, I don't really even have all the details of that worked out. But I do know this. If you'll send me, email me your your name and address, I'll get you a copy of this book. All right. And what email should they use for that? Use Patrick Morley. That's my name, Patrick
0: Morley, with no spaces, at maninthemirror.org. Great. And we'll also include that on our show notes. Pat, so good to have you on our program. Love having you back, my friend, and uh, good to talk to you as always. Well, it's good talking to you. I mean, happy trails.
2: Likewise, sir. Thanks for joining us.
0: All right. I mean, I I, uh, I enjoy talking to Pat and uh he's he's got like he's one of those guys that you could sit and you could talk to and I know he's got a lot of stories and he can go on and on. But every once in a while there's just like this nugget of wisdom that comes out just from an experience and it's almost like a, i'm not exactly sure what stories to tease out of him to <laughs> pull all that out because there's so much there
2: what was the end of that quote you said there was uh that he gave what there's a there's a god we want and there's a god who is but they're not the same and
0: then what and was the this? and the turning point in, in our lives is when we stop seeking the god we want and start seeking the god who is <laughs> isn't that good yeah
2: that's killer. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Keep going. Because I was thinking about that the whole time. I couldn't remember it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So, so that's, I mean, I, and that actually, I've thought about that a lot, especially when I get into situations where I'm like, I, I get angry at God for stuff. And I'm like, mm, but you're not being the God I want. <laughs> how dare you, know? you? Yeah. How dare you? You're not being the God I want. And you think about it, it's, it, it is, but like telling your wife, you know, you're not being the woman that I want. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, can you imagine like saying that nope. to your
2: wife? I'm not even going to imagine it because I feel like I'll get in trouble for imagining it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought, he said a couple of things that I thought was, was pretty interesting. One one about the, the, the four voices in our heads. You know, yeah. we have the voice that can come from the world, the flesh, the devil, and the Holy Spirit. And, uh... I don't know if i parse that so often the question i ask is is that something jesus would say i mean I just kind of get down to you know is that coming from the holy spirit or not Mm. that's the only measure that matters to me if it's world or flesh or the devil i mean i guess maybe i would do something different in each of those other cases but i think the real thing for me is just to know is that the thing jesus would say Mm. and i find i I, there is so much shame residual still going on you know we've talked about that in the past there's but I think that this is really important. There's a lot of guys I know. I think this is true, either gender. There's a lot of people that I know where they are saying and hearing things about themselves in their own head, but they haven't identified the truth of it or the non-truth of it. And I think that's the whole point that Pat's trying to to get by. That is to say, you know, sometimes if you just recognize that. There's thinking that you have going on internally, and if you're not disciplined enough or self-aware enough of what that thinking is, you will not be renewed in your thinking. And we are called as believers to be renewed in our in our minds, hmm. and uh, and and that is, you know, that that's taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Yeah, um, that's an important discipline. That is is disciplined. Well, I tell you, he is. Yeah, I mean, twenty-one books. It's not exactly well. Yeah, it. not just the twenty-one books, but I mean, <laughs> just kind of the, his whole his whole way that he, he lives his life. There's. I have a love hate relationship with it because I love him as a mentor and a friend, and we get to. <laughs> to but then, but then he kind of it kind of reminds me of Anna in some ways. In. Because she's the most disciplined woman I know, and he's kind of like that disciplined guy like that it's like the guy that i I would like to be more like <laughs> and I guess that's what you have mentors for, you yeah know? exactly but um there, there's a there's a part of me that's like um yeah how do you how do you do all that mm. and uh and and stay with it so yeah. uh, he he is that the other thing that stood out to me. Was when he he just mentioned you know there's a little three three simple things if you're engaged with the Bible you're engaged in a small group and you're engaged in serving you're gonna avoid ninety percent of the problems in your life yeah I haven't thought about it that way but I think it, it's that's that's really true and I think it's not just for men but clearly for men that's important because of what he said about what we tend to do and I think he's absolutely right on that I think guys tend to move toward isolation when they encounter problems whereas women tend to move toward relationship yeah. I see that all the time. Oh, totally. Yeah, I see that in myself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that's you know there's this this idea that we have to somehow fix things, and it's easier to just hunker down in isolation. There's shame that's probably part of that. I don't know what all the reasons are for it, but it's an interesting dynamic. And if you think about what he just said, if you're if you're exposed to the Bible, you're getting the source of truth. If you're exposed to other people, you're staying out of isolation. And if you're serving, yeah. you're not making it about yourself. Yeah. Boy, that's. That's a pretty good formula right there. Yeah, that's uh, really brilliant. Gallup group did a whole study or
2: research on this and they they asked the question what is the number one statistical factor to spiritual growth. So no opinions, no theology, no philosophy. What is the number one statistical factor to spiritual growth? And you know, everyone had their ideas. It's um, how many my Bible verses do you have memorized? How often do you attend church? How many worship songs do you sing? How often do you pray? Whatever, right? It's, it's, everyone had their assumption as to what the answer to that question was going to be and uh, the number one statistical factor to spiritual growth is the number of intimate Christian friends you have mm-hmm. and then the number two statistical factor to spiritual growth is do you have a weekly ministry that you're charged up about mm-hmm. those are the two things that they came up with and then everything else was so far away that it wasn't even worth listing. came down to two things intimate friendships ministry
0: yeah well you know the idea of you keep an ember hot by surrounding it with other hot embers, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's that's good. And it's but it's it's a
2: challenge. It's a challenge because uh, keeping it uh, around the context of American socialization, yeah, intimate friendships aren't exactly robust. In, in our culture, right? Correct. We are we, much more fragmented. And... People, it's. I would say the rule is not that people have intimate friendships. Yeah. I, I think we have a lot of acquaintances that
0: we call friends. Yeah, a lot of acquaintances we call friends and the friends that we have we may not be as disclosing as we need to be in order yeah. to make it intimate. Yeah. yeah. It's it's tough. It is. It's a this is a tough well, society now. It's, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. It's t- i I, I, it mean, I I'm just it's it's I, I'm not trying to make it harder for people. I'm just trying to make it encouraging and saying, hey, if you're struggling, if it is tough for you, yep. I yeah. It's this isn't the easiest culture to have and create. No. Sustain that it is tough, and the fact that you're someone is attempting to make that a reality you're you're, you're putting yourself out there more than most people are mm-hmm. because it's not a risk factor a lot of people are willing to risk
0: yeah well, I think so much of it too boils down to our own lack of self awareness even of the things that are issues in our lives, and yeah we tend to you know the old adage ignorance is bliss, and some live in ecstasy you know mm-hmm. we like to stay ignorant uh, we don't like to uh, acknowledge the problems that we have or problem areas that we have in our lives. Um, so I think one, I think this resource that Pat wrote is going to be very helpful there for guys in particular who may not be as self aware. I think these 10 issues could serve as an inventory, mm-hmm. you know, a way for you to take a look at the areas in your life. And just ask yourself the question: Am I living to the full potential that uh, God has created me to live toward? And uh, and and that itself could be a bold idea. Oh, absolutely! And, and certainly the the conversations we talked about about isolation the tend toward isolation that's going to keep you from making your bold idea happen. You and I, right. mean, have talked to so much about bold ideas aren't born in isolation; they're born in community, mm-hmm. and we need that, and we need to have a healthy community to be part of it. So pick up the resource the Christian man a conversation about the 10 issues men say matter most it's just gone on sale now and you can get that to uh, patrick morley's 21st book he's oh he's got so much good stuff in there i don't know if that particular quote we just shared is in that book as well but I, I'm sure you'll find some that will, uh, will jump out and resonate for you as they always do when I read his books. Also, you can find out how to get a copy of the Christian Man Coaching Guide. Uh, we have the link for that. You'll have that on our show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash nine five. Of course, uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. Share it with your friends. And we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Until then, this is Larry Gates. And Armina Asadi. Saying so long. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.